0: Launch Director NTD, our launch team is ready to proceed at this time. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha ha. Crap music yeah i know you didn't expect this i know you didn't expect this hold on a minute let me let this breathe uh merry christmas or as we say in spanish merry Crima. oh my lord i am a fan of this time of year i know some of you are and i know some of you are not but you got to admit the beat's dope Oh my lord, we are getting ready for episode 53, the Christmas special. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Journeyman Chronicles. My name is, you know it, go ahead, Felix C. Arroyo, a.k.a. the Journeyman. These are the Journeyman Chronicles. I'm interviewing everyday people from the Lancaster area, the Lancaster city, the Lancaster county. It could be York County. It could be fucking, I don't know, Donegal. It could be Harrisburg. I don't give a shit where you're from. If you're in this area or even Pennsylvania for that matter, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Merry Christmas. Of course I'm joking. In Spanish, it's Feliz Navidad. Please everybody calm down. Alright, get the stick out your ass. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. This is the Christmas special. This is the holiday special. Um You know, I interviewed Juan Rivera. And uh, I'm going to get into him shortly here. But the interview itself, we we you know we didn't talk about Christmas. I just went about this like any other interview. But I saved this particular episode when I recorded the the interview and, and I sat and played it back. I was like, you know, this is such a great um, conversation that Juan and I had about, you know, family and parenting. And the dynamics of, you know, your upbringing and how it affects parenthood um that i felt like i thought like what a great episode for this holiday season because christmas for me really is just a reflection of time with my family um the time that i've spent with my family when i grew up and the time that i i spent with my family that i've created my immediate my immediate family so um you know when you listen to this we are, we are going to be, you know, probably day or hours away from celebrating Christmas morning. I always wanted like a, a white Christmas, like just snow everywhere coming down while I'm opening presents um, or watching my children open presents. But I, I, I'm not a fan of the snow. So it's kind of like this, like a, like a bittersweet. Experience where I don't get the snow, but then it's all good because I didn't get the snow because I don't want to shovel it And I don't want to put my boots on and go out and shovel in the snow I don't want to put salt down because of the ice, you know So anyway Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Are you in your flannel PJs? My wife got us flannel PJs For the first time. I don't know why she did this now. Look, I'm going to be a team player And I'm going to put the team player flannels on. Okay. I'm going to put the lumberjack throwbacks on and roll with the new. It's not really my thing, but I love my wife and she got us all matching flannels. So you will see the journeyman and his family, probably in social media posts, posing with our lumberjacks and, uh, even though I'm not crazy about it, I know I'm, uh, my family's going to look fly in it, especially my sexy lady. So it's all good. All right? look, right. I'm, I'm going to do it because it's the holidays, right? What are you going to do? Let's get down to business. What do you say, huh? Let's get down to why we're all here. You tuned in. Why? You tuned in because there's an interview. And like I mentioned, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Juan Rivera, Mr. Relentless. This guy. This guy's popping and locking, he's dancing, he's jumping around. He's got these Saturday morning motivational little videos, just cheering people up, getting people in the mood, you know, sharing and showing love. And he and his wife, Abby, have started a podcast called Peace, Love and Applesauce. And they're talking about, you know, the everyday emotions that one goes through as a parent, what people go through as a couple during parenthood, the ups and downs through their relationship as a family that they're experiencing with their daughter, you know, and they're just talking about the shit that a lot of parents need to hear. And so here I am thinking to myself, I got to get this guy on the podcast um, because I'm curious about the dancing. I'm curious about the podcast. I'm curious about this like die hard positive energy. That this guy brings. And why not present this episode. Christmas. Boom. Here we go. Right? So listen. I hope you got your uh, hot chocolate. I hope. Listen. I ain't going to front. If you got some coquito right now. Christmas morning. I ain't mad at you. I might have it too. But I'm saying I'll have my postelo first. Okay? Okay. God bless you. I love you guys. Let's get ready to rock and roll episode 53. This is Juan's Journey. And these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Let's go. <music> So yeah first of all thank you for coming um this is the first time we're meeting so yeah uh i kind of have this with the podcast like a 50 50 experience where mm-hmm. i'm interviewing people i know and then i'm also reaching out to people i do not know Gotcha. Uh, so this is one of those things but i have been following the podcast and uh i actually got hit to you think it was something on instagram i don't know if it was a story or a post Mm -hmm. i saw maybe a reel maybe Mm -hmm. that's what it was i saw your your dancing your popping and locking Mm -hmm. and i was just like whoa so obviously i want to kind of dive into that first and there's a lot of things i want to get into with what you're up to um this is a kind of a shoot your shit type of conversation it's pretty much just getting to know people in lancaster cool i like it And learning about your journey and uh are you from Lancaster? Is that where yeah. you're born and raised? Yeah. Born and
1: raised. I was yeah. actually listening to, uh, I didn't finish it, but the most okay. recent episode of yours I listened to was with Todd Smith. Okay. And yeah. You were saying you grew up around like 4th Street yeah. and all that. 1st Street almost my whole life. Okay. Yeah, wow. So yeah. Like, so you know the area that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. When I he- heard that, I was like, oh, we've been yeah. real close. So yeah. yeah. Been there. Yeah. Uh, went to mccaskey high school okay. graduated there 2015 so okay yeah so Been you know for the time being
0: yeah you know the the, the very uh, the area very well i grew up uh riding my bike through coral and playing in crystal park yep, and yep. when captain gus was open i'd go in there and pl- rig the arcade so i got free credits i don't know how <laughs> someone showed me how to do that but anyway yeah so that's cool man uh and i don't ever really meet people that are from that area it's is really odd because i grew up and all my friends obviously were were like right there right and i feel like now like my kids grow up and i'm blessed for where i'm where i'm living right now but it's like they don't have that they don't have that experience of like man i I, did i do something wrong like i gave my kids what i never had but i feel like i took something away right you know what i'm talking about like the old like going down go and play with such and such and you're literally just two houses down or a block away and now Mm -hmm. it's it's different i don't know if kids have that experience nowadays too. Now, I
1: understand what you mean but yeah. also like that was your
0: experience yeah you can't take enough. away your kids experience fair enough you can't yeah.
1: give them exactly what you had because I go through the same thing I'm like especially now like as our daughter's getting older I mean we've been talking about it since she was almost a newborn like oh where do we kind of want to plan to move so we figure out where she wants to go to school and I'm like oh well I had a really good time with the public city school experience. Not that my wife didn't go to public school, but like she's from the Hershey area. So she went to the Hershey high school and like, she essentially went to school with the same people from elementary all the way through. Whereas like in Lancaster, you got all the different elementary schools going to a middle school and then all the middle schools going to McCaskey. Right. So it was like a big melting pot, bunch of people to be around. And I'm like, I, I feel like it's a good, cultural yeah exposure for them yeah but then who knows where else we might end up right what I could be taken away from them by trying to give them what I had
0: yeah yeah I like when I'm listening to your, to your podcast with your wife Abby that's her name Chris yes. it's uh there's a lot of times where I'm just like yes because it's like this uh it's like're you're, you're trying to do the best you can with your kids and you're taking everything you've learned as a kid like there's times where I'm like um, I'm definitely doing what I said i would i would do when i was a kid i was like i'm going to do this as an an adult as a parent because i don't want my kids to go through this and i feel like i am doing that but then there's times where i'm like man i don't know if i have i realized that there's a give and take and i can't control like you can't control that like what you're alluding to it's Mm -hmm. like you don't really know it's not a bad thing i guess is what i'm trying to get to it just it is what it is so um I like how we kind of got into that, but you know, yeah, fourth, the old stomping ground there. And mm-hmm. I, when I went through a divorce, I actually got an apartment on Ruby street, right across the street from Jethro's when Jethro's was still open on the corner of first and Ruby. That's yeah. My whole life yeah. Right there. Yeah. And I was just like, I felt like I was like, this is exactly where I need to be. Cause mm-hmm. I lived in Landisville for seven years, divorced, moved back to Lank. And I was like, this is great. And I lived, I lived there for two years and loved it. Um, and then, obviously, I moved back. We found this home. But, yeah, I love I love growing up. I love growing up in Lancaster, even though I didn't care for I don't know how your experience was, and I'm curious. Mm-hmm. But you know how it is. It's uh, people joking around that you're from Lancaster, and they ask the basic questions about Amish and all that. Yeah, and that's like, the first thing. Yeah. Especially
1: the people that are from, like, bigger cities. They're like, man, I saw a horse and buggies on the road. And, like, <laughs> y'all get
0: down with that. I'm like, listen, that's, you're just in a different
1: part. Like, that's, yeah. you got to come over here towards the city more. Like, you'll get that feel. But... Yeah,
0: yeah. you have a good experience in Lancaster
1: growing up? Yeah, like when I say my whole life has been spent basically on that block, like my grandmother had uh, moved into her house on First Street and then I was born the next day. Okay. So like I've been there literally since the day I was born. Now, I went to school up in Kutztown for a little bit. So like I got out and like lived with my wife and her family for a little bit up in Hershey, but I still ended up back on First Street, but now I'm in my own house and like- Seeing it now with how big it's growing and how much more of, like, a city city it's becoming, I, I've i seen it grow a lot from when I was a kid. Sure. And, like, even for my wife, she's noticed in the time that we've been together, like how much it's grown and how different it's been. And I'm like, listen, I can't even tell you what was there before. Or like there used to be like all the, uh, what is it? The Belmont shops? Like, Oh yeah. How that was just grass yeah. and just open area. And I'm like, this was never here. And now you can't drive past it. Cause everybody's trying to go to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A and like K, blocking yeah. up that intersection. <laughs> so yeah. that I'm not, I'm not okay with like, <laughs> y'all just hogging up all the lanes and yeah i think they actually time. shut
0: down chick-fil-a for a little bit didn't they because of that or something i was reading in the news the other day and or maybe a couple of weeks ago and they were shutting it down uh because of the traffic and i'm like it took what was it it's been like three years now Yeah. non-stop do you finally see the problem it's, like <laughs> yeah and my daughter god bless her but she's always going there mm-hmm. I'm Like, why do you want to wait in line for 20 minutes Anyway, I, it, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what, the, the I don't know what the hype is, I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. say. I yeah. ate there one time. I was like, it's all right. I, whatever. I don't, right. Yeah, but I know what you mean. And, um, okay, let me get back to this. So you, you're still, you, you're still on First Street. You got your own crib on First Street. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's pretty cool because, mm-hmm. like you said, you've seen it, uh, from the very beginning. I know when I go back through, there's different, there's little things I, I notice, but it's still like, I still feel the same vibe. I don't like the, like they added more stop signs throughout, like Ruby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I remember just driving straight through. But uh, I. Take, I mean, people still do that. People still just drive people through st-
1: this, just straight through the stop signs like they're not there. Maybe they you got to watch out for that. Corner. Those are the old school cats. They forget. They don't yeah, know. Yeah, that 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 intersection right at Jethro's. You got. Oh stop. yeah. You got to stop early because yeah. like, people will just blow right through on yeah. all directions. But yeah
0: yeah man shout out to Jethro's I wish that did you ever eat there during- no yeah.
1: I of course turned 21 and then they shut down so I couldn't okay
0: okay so uh my wife and I, okay well when I lived there for two years I never went there mm-hmm. but I saw it and I knew it was somewhat of a staple mm-hmm. I just didn't realize how much of a staple it was and when I when my wife and I started dating and she was like oh my god you live beside Jethro's we have to go and I went in there and it's like a little there used to be a speakeasy in the back that they still would let people like go in and look at Mm -hmm. and, but it's like, it was like a small little nook, very dim, lit, great food. The drinks were great, but it was so tight, but you wouldn't know that you're that tight. You're just relaxed. Mm -hmm. And we went maybe like three times and of course the pandemic hit. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, um, I was always curious, like, I wonder if anybody else ever like went there often. I, I wasn't uh much of a person that went out a lot are you like an introvert outrovert like I'm an introvert to the unteeth degree and my wife is the opposite so that's our
1: dynamic it if you're putting it at just like the blanket term I would say I'm the extrovert because my wife's the introvert okay I'm the one that'll talk someone's ear off once you get me going but also like in certain situations i can be very introverted and oh, okay. like stay stay to myself until i you know get a little warmed up or i'm comfortable with you or yeah. whatever the case may be sure. again it depends on the situation sure. but i've always been a little more on the outgoing side and like taking it back to the dance like yeah. i've always eaten it up whenever i've been on stage like okay. i've never i get nervous and i still do whenever sure. i perform or even putting up a camera like there's always that tension like someone's watching on the other side at some point but i i love it yeah i live for it like mainly on the dance side i'm not saying i live for the intention no no
0: no but let's get into that yeah i was i was gonna lead to that so this is a great segue yeah um so yeah dancing uh hip-hop music was that something that you were listening to often growing up in lank or was it all kinds of music i mean i'm noticing like You've got you've got a, a street style that's um like it it, it it resonates through throughout generations. I feel like what you're doing now mm-hmm. people were were enjoying that years ago, but kids today are also enjoying it. Right. Is it is it something that you're constantly reinventing? Is it are you a student of it to that degree or Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like I grew
1: up on mtv all the all the music videos and like that's actually how i started dance because i saw i think it was some show on mtv and i saw somebody do like a body wave and i was like i want to learn how to do that that looks cool and then what's a body wave like when you're waving from like head to toe okay yeah kind of moving back and forth like that that was the basic thing that i saw and then that opened up a whole door and then i would see um like choreography and music videos so i would go on like on demand for Comcast and I would just replay music videos over and over again and teach myself like the choreography from it. So like Chris Mm. Brown, Kiss Kiss is ingrained into my brain because I, I like just would do it. And then like family friends would come over and I would put the song on show them that I could do the dance. But then I had met some other local dancers in the Lancaster area. Um, Shout out to Urban Soul if you heard me talk about them on an episode before, but they, really mentored me and um taught me the ways of like everything about hip-hop so like all four elements of hip-hop and then they they made sure I knew like the history of everything before they taught me a dance move because they're like this is why you do it this is how it became what it is so then I I would consider myself a student of just life like I would I don't want mm, how do I word this I would like to be a master, but then to me, like a master of something feels like you've kind of like capped off, you know, everything you can about it, but there's always something new to learn. Someone always has a different approach. Someone always has a different perspective on how to do something. So I'm always searching for knowledge. And like, when it comes to hip hop, I'm, I have done my own research outside of what I was taught. And like, even today I pay homage to all of the things that came before me while, like you said, kind of reinventing it to make it fit with what's going today yeah. and also see how I can take it forward rather gotcha. than
0: keep it where it's at. So you got hip to, so uh, uh, repeat their names again. I'm sorry. You, you mentioned somebody's name or you, urban uh, soul. So that's like urban. the urban okay. urban 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 soul. Urban yeah. souls, urban excuse me. soul okay. So crew. they actually recognized the importance of the culture Mm-hmm enough to be like we're going to make sure you understand this yeah before which is pretty dope that you had that because mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of people that don't have that exposure yeah. the, they just get into the dance and they don't really honor you know the 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 late 70s early 80s influence mm-hmm. of uh black and brown people yep. like break dancing battling on the streets dancing yep. um so when you said you started doing your own research what kind of like what what was it about it that was intriguing you to to do the research
1: just everything i was like what else is there to learn what don't i know and like i think it was um a couple years ago I, i was probably still back in college um netflix had i think it was hip-hop evolution or something yes yep. so i watched through all that and then i'm like oh this is where even the term of hip-hop came from from lovebug starsky and i'm like who is that what yeah. did he do who what did he contribute who were the um the holy trinity of hip-hop that's grandmaster flash africa bombada and dj cool hurt like yeah those are the pioneers of our sound and yeah. like gotta make sure that i know where this came from and also my dad is from New York. So that's the okay. birthplace of hip hop. Yeah, and then my uncle, he was like, yeah, I did graffiti on, on some trains. And like, I used to be break dancing and the track suits and everything on yeah. the cardboard. So I'm like, all right, like this is, this is for me. Like I love everything about it from not only the dance side, but like, again, culturally, because yeah. it's significant to black Hispanic people. Cause we were the ones who created it Absolutely in that time. So of course I'm not I wasn't there, 70s, 80s, 90s. So being able to understand like what they went through and how they were able to take violence out of it and make it something positive that changed the world. Because hip-hop is now the number one genre in the world. Yeah, And, I mean, once it got overseas with dancing, it took on a whole life of its own over there. So like, even within hip-hop, there's still other... I would I would say from my perspective, there's other subcultures of it depending sure. on
0: where you go. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even when you're doing your dancing, I mean, like what? Uh, when you say that there's subgenres, I think of dancing, and I, I know, like I I, I talk to. Um, um, Loyda Asprey, who she, I don't know if you know Loyda Asprey. She's um, she teaches Southside dancing in downtown Lancaster, but I not she's know also like um, she's from Puerto Rico, and she has she had this this huge story. And one of the things that she was talking to me about dancing is like the different styles of dance that contribute to just this dance. Mm-hmm. And so it was like learning the history of the different types of dances. Mm-hmm. Are you are you doing that as well, or is it like a freestyle? whatever I feel I just do it and I know I know you said you were watching videos so obviously Mm -hmm. you were mirroring and 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 learning from that but did you did you dive into like the different types of dance and oh yeah yeah
1: I I I dove into it all from um taking stuff from other styles as well so like you you have your big umbrella term of like hip-hop dancing that covers a lot but then there's popping then there's breaking then there's like even within popping, you have waving, you have tutting, you have isolation. So like there are people who just devote themselves to specific portions of it, but it's all still under hip hop. But then I also take it from other cultures. So like I, (laughs) I say it as a joke and I mainly say it to my wife, but I swear in a past life, I was Jamaican or something because like, (laughs) I love, not granted, I'm Puerto Rican, but like I love the Island vibes and like Afro dances and all that. I incorporate that into my hip hop so that also if an Afro beat comes on or, um, any like, I think it's a lot of South African inspired dance moves that I'm like visually interested in. I'm like, that's a different way to move or how can I make that hip hop? How can I not only transform it, but also make sure I'm doing it in a respectful way, obviously. So I'm not disrespecting the other culture by like, treating their dance as in just like some prop for me you know what I mean yeah so like I not only dive into the history of hip-hop but like I take other styles I've taken um I've taken your technical styles I've done a little bit of jazz a little bit of ballet so like everything can just kind of combine together so if people ask like what kind of dance do you do or what uh, I I usually just say I'm a dancer or Cause if I try to go into hip hop, everyone's like, "Oh, a spin on your head! Can you do a backflip?" I'm like, ah, "Right, right." That's that's the flashy stuff. Right. But like I, I've put a lot of time and like effort into my craft, and like the knowledge that I have in it is very valuable. And I always made sure that I was very knowledgeable in what I did because I was also a dance teacher for a couple years. Okay. So when I taught dance, I wanted to make sure that the kids knew where everything was coming from and that they got the proper instruction rather than just being like here's a move go have fun with it right then that again turns into the thing like you said of people not understanding where it comes from and then you get into the argument of like culture vultures and yes
0: all that and like I don't want to contribute to that because of the respect I have for it well that and that's I was going to go back to that because I uh, like I'm grateful and I'm just meeting you now But I'm grateful that you had that exposure Because mm-hmm. I'm like I grew up listening to hip hop mm-hmm. uh, And I'm 43 years old So I grew up like mid 90s Like when the golden era of it Really mm-hmm. became What a lot of us now refer to as old school Which is That depresses me now But anyway <laughs> That's a different podcast for a different time But um but I, I like i remember like appreciating the history and the culture and and so when i'm when i'm listening to you talk um that it, it excites me and you got into teaching you said you got into teaching so how did that start for you was that something you were expecting was i am going to become a teacher in this or did that happen on the fly um it eventually got to i'm going
1: to be a teacher oh, okay. so when i first started dancing my number one thing was all basically for vanity i was like i'm gonna be famous for dancing gotcha and like that's when uh, dance videos on youtube started like becoming more prevalent and like dubstep edm like people were dancing to that and that was a different it's still not even though it's not hip-hop you can still take your like form of animation which is under the umbrella term of popping and make that into it because it's still kind of like one of the subsets sure it. yeah it, it gets real yeah complicated. i like it though yeah but um i was my number one thing was like i'm gonna be on fame i'm gonna be famous and i thought i was gonna be able to do it on youtube overnight just like i saw on youtube myself i was like i can do that yeah found out i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> so i actually went to uh, <laughs> Sorry, i'm not no, laughing at no, you no no it's
0: i like i know what that's like where you're right. like oh erp. yep that that screeching halt <laughs> like
1: whoa it's not that easy so When I joined a dance studio, I was 16. So I started when I first discovered like that I wanted to dance, I was probably about nine and, um, I didn't join a dance studio until I was 16. So for those five years, I was strictly like freestyle off the top of my head, doing whatever like I felt in the moment and what the song would make me do. But then I joined a dance studio and learned how to count music. I learned choreography and I learned that you can go on tour and people like make money off of it. So I'm like, I want to go on tour and like, I still got a list of people I would love to dance with, but obviously I had to just take a quick step back from dance, you know, got to take care of the family cause it wasn't paying the bills. Yeah. But I started out as like an assistant to classes and I saw how other teachers would teach and I'm like, Hmm, maybe I would like to do it this way. Or I Wanted to give something that I felt like I wasn't getting in my classes. So I'm like, I'm going to make sure I give them the knowledge of where things come from. And I'm going to make sure that they feel like they learn something rather than just a couple moves to some eight counts. So then once I started teaching more, I was like, I want to be a traveling choreographer. I want to set choreography for competition pieces. I want to win these awards X, Y, and Z. So like I had some pretty lofty goals with teaching And I mean, I still technically do just very like spread apart. Sure. So yeah, teaching is, is very fun for me because I get to run the class the way I want to and the way I feel like can be productive, not only from the teacher standpoint, but from the um, student standpoint. And I've taught from as young as three up to someone in their fifties. Oh really? Yeah. So I've taught all ages and, everyone else has something to offer because like I said, with all the different perspectives, like somebody will ask me a question about my own dance that I didn't think about. And I'm like, Hmm, that is a good question. Maybe we should try it like this. Or if I'm doing it wrong, someone will call me out and it'll correct me. So that way I'm more on my toes. The next time I create a piece and I'm like, all right, I I have all these boxes checked. Yeah. I have, I have, all these potential questions ready to be answered. I know this specific section is going to be difficult, so I'll break this down first. Gotcha. So it's all just the mental
0: aspect of it, of being able to like just have that control over a classroom. As a teacher, you're able to, I think it's pretty cool that you were, you were told that you were doing it wrong. As Mm -hmm. an example, what i'm taking from that is you were able to take that and be like yeah you're right man i didn't realize that Mm -hmm. so are you that that type of person when it comes to something that you're passionate about because the reason why i bring up is because i i can be like that to a degree and then when i'm doing what i know i love and i'm good at and somebody else tries to bring up something i'm always like well i mean i know what the fuck i've been doing you know like not people aren't they, they can't easily take uh, advice uh, when it comes to something like that. Uh, do, do you find yourself on the opposite scale of that where you, you can? Or uh... I, I used to not handle criticism
1: well okay. because of a lot of what I had dance-wise was self-taught. So once I got to a dance studio, it humbled me because it was like, Okay, you can freestyle, but what else can you do? It's not that cool anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, or we we've seen that before. Like you may be freestyling, but you know, it's still a set of moves that I already know. I just kind of change it up depending on the song. So as I refined my skills, I was able to understand and take that like it's not a personal attack about me. Like if there's a set instruction that I have to follow even as a teacher. And I made it myself. Like I'll call myself out like, Nope, did that wrong. Reset. Let's do it again. And like, if I'm stumbling over my words or teaching too fast, like I will rather someone tell me than just let me blow through it thinking that like, Oh, I got this. Don't worry. You don't got to tell me like, I would much rather be corrected or adjusted. So that way I can give a better, experience whether it's this time or the next gotcha. it's all i i love any sort of like notes or criticism towards anything i do realistically yeah. like even if i know something there's always
0: another way to do it like yeah. my way is not always the best way but that's a pretty cool way to look at it. a lot of people can't yeah get there and, and i know you said at first that was difficult but you know the the slice of humble pie coming into the the, the dance academy and when you mentioned that okay, you can freestyle, but what else can you do? I, I, I know that the, 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 the common answer to a question like this is, you know, I'm just about people expressing themselves, but, but does it ever come to a point where you're like, where you see that, especially in today's like videos. Mm -hmm. uh, and, And there's a lot of videos that I see that come in through my reels of people dancing. And it's like, okay, I can see this person's freestyling and only freestyling. Does it, does it, is there a, a thought process so you're like there needs to be a, a level up on that don't just stay stagnant there or do you look at it like oh that's what they're doing then that's cool that's dance you know what i mean like, a little a little
1: bit of both so there are certain times where i watch somebody and like especially depending on the style there are certain techniques you have to follow or certain foundations that are like set in place so if you're not foundationally sound it's not gonna uh Visually, come across the way that it should. Okay, so I'm sorry. Repeat the question again. Well, well,
0: what I'm saying, okay, but yeah, but I'll I'll piggyback off that. So Mm -hmm. when you're able to see something that's not uh, fundamentally sound, Mm -hmm. you're able to notice it right away. Yeah, does that bother you as a dancer? Does that do you? Is that a common thing to go? Okay, I see what they're doing, but I mean, there's like they need work. Yeah. or do, is it just accepted as another form of dance you know what i mean like yeah, i yeah. feel like i feel like for me i um there's times where i'm looking at things that i know i'm good at or that i'm that i'm aware of like the history of and the in the in the experience and i go okay i see what you're doing that's cool but we're, we're going to have to start working on other things to build you mm-hmm. is that is I, that absolutely. okay absolutely so there's the standpoint of like I'm a dancer.
1: This is my art. This is just self-expression. Right. But of course, in any other art medium, there are techniques. There are certain parameters that are within whatever medium you're using or whatever style you're trying to come across as. So going along with the technique aspect, like I can see it. And usually it's like, oh, you're good. Just work on the basics first. Cause right. Because like I have some friends that I dance with now that like they're good dancers But if their foundation was better, it would then take it up to the next level with what they're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So like they're able to express themselves freely, but you can see where certain mistakes are happening. So it's like, hey, you got it. Right. But let's fine tune it a little bit. But then there are people who can't take criticism. They're like, what do you mean? I'm doing it right. I've been doing it like this for years. Right. I can't change it. Right. And they're like, this is just me. This is how I do it. Then I'm like, all right, I'm talking to a wall at this right. point. Do your thing, enjoy it. Right, and so like, and, and,
0: and yeah. I don't mean to step on your toes, but no, that, good. but that, that's what I was exactly what I was getting. At. And, I, and I'm wondering, like, for someone like yourself who is into the culture, you're passionate about it, you've done the history, you can see it when it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you're trying to do that, then you need to work on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it could be a little frustrating when someone's like, "I know what I'm doing, or this is how I like to do it." Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, but now you're kind of butchering the, the. Yeah, you're butchering it. Yeah, if you're
1: blatantly like butchering it or in a way coming off as like disrespectful, it does not necessarily offend me. But I'm like, mm, yeah, but it, it could be offensive. I feel yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it just leaves a bad taste in yeah, my mouth because I'm like this deserves respect and like you also got to make sure you're doing it the right way because it's your body. Like yeah. your body is, is this is the only one you get? So you got to make sure you take care of it. And if you don't do certain things the right way, you could hurt yourself. So there's always that aspect of it yeah. as well. How long have, are you still teaching or how long have you taught? I, it's only been a year since I stopped teaching, but I was a teacher okay. for about six or seven years. Oh and wow, I really? actually, I maybe eight, I could be wrong, but I actually taught, um, Todd's son, his boy. Lincoln. Oh, really? Yeah, he was one of my breakdancing students. That's so cool. So, like, I know that. That's why I was like, oh yeah, I see you really do like a lot of local people, and I was yeah. like, yeah, oh, okay. I graduated with Todd. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. And running it back to that, I also came onto your podcast because of Sir Dominique Jordan, because uh. I went I went to school with him, and then I listened to that whole podcast you had with him and i was like oh man this is great like oh thank you yeah of yeah.
0: course so yeah. i was trying to get him on for the longest time too. listen man i'm fighting trying to get him on mine too yeah he's a busy he's guy so he's a busy, busy. guy but. i think we were scheduled two different times and then finally he was supposed to be here but he he couldn't make it and i was like i'll i settled for a zoom mm-hmm. let's just, just do a zoom yeah yeah but uh um i think Uh, teaching for I mean you said six seven eight years yeah in that yeah so uh, five years of of doing it on your own uh, you know no no teaching no no school Uh, then finally getting in and then how long were you dancing before you decided to teach like how long were you a student there before you decide I'm trying to get a I'm trying to get a timeline a a timeline yeah yeah. Yeah. so how old are you forgive me 25. Okay, so going you're on young. So you've been doing this since you were what, 13, 12, 10, younger? 8. I think nine, you mentioned nine, 9
1: was when I first saw that body wave video, so that's where <laughs> I'm like that's that's the yeah. moment that I marked it. So yeah. technically since I was 9 years old cuz then I got to middle school and I started performing at all the talent shows and all that and then high school we did our assemblies, I would perform there and then 16 I joined the dance studio and i would say it took about 2 or 3 years of me being a teacher's assistant for okay. multiple classes so i would assist a lot first and i would travel as an a as an assistant so like all up and down the east coast doing jobs performances uh competitions i would be an assistant but i also aspired to like be one of the not only best dancers but also like a a leader figure and sure. I was like if I'm gonna step into the classroom teacher role like I gotta be able to have these type of qualities yeah so then I became a full-time teacher when I was 22 so I I'd say I was like fully teaching about six seven eight years because I had my breakdancing class and that was like since it was part of my freestyle round, like I I was able to teach that because I taught it with my mentors at the same time. So rather than being an assistant, that was kind of like a transition to be like, all right, I'm an assistant for hip hop. I'm an assistant for street jazz, but I am a co-teacher of breakdancing. Gotcha. And then after that, once we needed some more teachers, I would say, Hey, can I teach intermediate? Can I teach advanced? Can I I hey or they would be like, Hey, we need a teacher for beginner hip hop today. Can you fill in? So like being able to take opportunities like that and run with them is what led me into teaching and then twenty two, like I said, I was offered a full time job at the same dance studio I started at. Which one is that? Morton's Dance Center. It's okay. like that's actually pretty close to here. Um, oh, really? If you know where, like, that little shopping center is, where, like, Parma Pizza, CVS. Yeah. It, oh, really? Yeah, that dance studio right there is, like, that's gotcha. my home studio, but also the only studio I've been to. And then I, in my travels, um, I made a lot of connections networking, so sure. I got other dance studio gigs in West Virginia where I was driving down there every week teaching classes every Thursday and Friday and expanding myself there. And then I would do like a workshop in Maryland or something, or I've, I've driven as far down as Miami to do a performance video and yeah. It so was, you were, you were all in yeah, when it like comes I, to that. I wanted this, I wanted dance to be it for me. So when I got the position of a full-time dancer at 22, that was right after, um, my daughter was born. So I told my wife, like, by the time I'm 23, I want to be a full-time dancer so I can be home and help you out. And like, I want to, I want to be there for our daughter. I want to see her grow up. I don't want to spend my whole day working. Like if I can be at home in the day and while she sleeps at night, I'm out teaching. Cool. So then I made it happen a year earlier than I wanted to. And I did it until last November actually so last November was my last month teaching because I had to change careers because as much as I was dancing I had three jobs trying to maintain and pay the bills gotcha so I was out all the time and like the drawbacks of wanting to be a professional dancer is you have to travel and I mean I would get a call to go teach in New Jersey at like one in the afternoon and I'd have to be there with material ready to go by four thirty five o'clock. Oh wow. So I'd have to have something ready to go and drive at the drop of a hat and I may have had a class like at Morton's dance center that night and someone's going to cover for me. So like it was a lot of give and take as much fun as it was and as like I got to do a lot of cool stuff and I got to meet a lot of cool people and there's like video footage of me doing a lot of cool things that I feel are cool to me because of like what dance has led me to, but also it came at a hefty price because I was never home. Actually, my daughter was two months old and I flew out to LA and like my wife was home alone with our two month old daughter. She was super stressed out, but she was like, go ahead, do it. Yeah, Like, this is part of your dream. And I, I did it for the sake of like, all right, this is what's going to pay our bills. This is how it's taking care of us. I need to go do this. I need yeah. to leave, and then it just became a lot harder. And I was like, I don't think I can do this at least right now.
0: Right. It's a, well, it becomes a juggling act. Yeah. When you're trying to pursue your passion and you feel guilty for pursuing your passion, mm-hmm. life life happens. Um, I wanted to be a I wanted to rap so bad, and mm-hmm. and I still love I love tip hop, mm-hmm. and I was you know. Recording and I, my boy had a studio and I was learning it and, and when I met my kid's mom, it was like she got pregnant unexpectedly. Next thing I know, I was a father for the first time at 23, Mm -hmm. and everything just had to stop. So I understand that, like when you said, I went to LA. It wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't easy. No, even though you're passionate about it, you're making. I mean, you have a family now, Mm -hmm. so that that sacrifice on your end but also on your wife's end it it wasn't easy not at all no it never is and the reason why i bring that up is because it's like a lot of people see the the glamour or like uh the end result the end product and when i'm listening you talk about what you had to do there was a lot of give and take and you were you were pretty much on call Mm -hmm. and it was like if this is what you want and you already paid dues to get as far as you did, so yep. that was hard. Yeah, to let it go. I'm assuming. No? Yeah,
1: and there would be days like when I would have to travel to my West Virginia job, and I would pack a a lunch or dinner for me to go down with, and it was two slices of bread, a piece of cheese, and some Advil. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. all. I was eating bread and cheese sandwiches just <laughs> to get by and pursue. That that was the cost of me living my dream. Like yeah. I had to sacrifice because I was. I was like, I got to go get this money from this job first before I can have a decent meal. Like, or sometimes I would drive and I'm like surviving off of beef sticks and candy just to stay awake on the way home because it's so late at night and like I'm driving by myself. So, you know, as, as much of a fun thing, it was, it got lonely at times too. And that's something like I wasn't prepared for like no Mm. one could really tell me like hey you want to be a dancer you're going to be out on the road a lot you're going to be sometimes driving by yourself if you're a teacher or um it's going to be long hours your body is going to hurt and like even when you can't feel like you can't dance like you still have to so like there wasn't many sick days I got because if I didn't go in
0: and teach I didn't get paid okay i didn't think about that so yeah so yeah so there's a lot that goes into this yeah. the, the the lifestyle of a dancer is and it's it's not easy and, and and anything that's worth it never is you always hear that of course um but the, it ma- it makes a lot of sense um when i'm listening to your your podcast mm-hmm. uh, with your wife abby love peace and applesauce peace love and applesauce peace, forgive me it's peace okay. love and applesauce um I'm bringing this up because you you introduced the the family dynamic that mm-hmm. that you experienced and and how you had to make the sacrifice to switch things up. You you both mentioned in the episodes that I've listened to the there's different stories I've heard of the of of that experience and and what you both have learned. Mm-hmm. Um, what prompted you both to start the podcast?
1: So I. I don't know in my reels if you've also seen, like, outside of my dance, but I would do um, Saturday morning, like, yeah. motivational videos. Yeah. So that all started as a joke. I don't know how you do it, swearing on your podcast. Oh, I, I've been cussing. Go okay, for Okay, I was going to say, because this all started with me. I was driving to dance one morning, and um, I just felt, like, in a particularly chipper mood. And I, I was recording myself. Like, I had it up on the dash thing. I was just... Wiggling along, and I said, Good morning, you beautiful son of a bitch. It's gonna be a great day. (laughs) And I got a lot of positive feedback from it. Yeah. So then I started making that a thing, and then that became an every Saturday thing for at least a year straight, even up until now. Now, granted, I take some liberties and skip a couple Saturdays, but that has its own reasoning. So in the midst of me giving my motivational messages people are like i look forward to this or somebody get this man on a podcast and yeah like bring him in interview him, whatever and i was like someone offered to me why don't you start your own and i'm like oh that that doesn't sound like a bad idea and then we what was it it was only march of last year so we haven't even been doing the podcast for a full year
0: okay wow i yeah, didn't realize we're, that
1: we're still only a couple months in like six months in realistically yeah Or however many it is since March eight, it's November eight, eight. yeah, Yeah, eight, eight. six, eight, whatever, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I transitioned. I was once I reached the one year mark of me doing Saturday videos, I was like, all right, how do I upgrade from here? Because I don't want to just do this for a year again. Because then it gets old. Sure, and in our day and age with social media things change almost on a daily basis and you got to keep up with it so I'm like how am I going to change maybe this podcast thing is the next big deal because trying to cram a motivational video with a little bit of dancing a little bit of positivity is it gets hard to fit in one minute yeah so I'm like I'm a talker I need more time yeah and then my wife and I were like all right what do we want to make this podcast about and it's actually evolving, like as we speak. Like we recently had a conversation on Monday, because I, I was like, "Listen, we need to sit down, and have a Monday
0: meeting yes. every Monday." Yeah, I remember you, yep. we brought that up. So we so have. You stick to that, yeah? Like I like that. Yeah, it's cool. Weekly, to the yeah. point where
1: my wife is like, "Hey, uh, I'll talk to you about it at the meeting on Monday." Yeah. Like, uh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it's as funny as it sounds. We're like, "Oh no, save it," because like it helps us with our mental load. But yeah, um, we ran into some extra money we were blessed nice and we're like this is what we need to start the podcast like we had already bought our microphones all the equipment to plug it in but we just needed our laptop left because we both had super old laptops from college and then once we got a laptop it took off at the end of march and we're like all right how what are we going to do so every week when we have our meeting we kind of like evaluate ourselves what kind of happened throughout the week that like we may not have touched on or talked about, but then we're also like, how are we going to attack this week's episode or what would you like to talk about? Or how can we talk about this topic? So it's, it's more of like transitioning from just a positive message to let's bring up some valid points from, from problems that we've had, like just regular conversations. Yeah. and, see if it can give someone else a different perspective or give someone else some other questions to think about and see what happens. Yeah. And like, even today, I know I was asking you for some help figuring out the Spotify rap yeah. stuff. Like yeah. I figured it out right before I came here. So okay, I got to see cool. um, We just didn't claim our podcast on Spotify. That was the only thing. There you go. I, I missed it. Once we got it, boom, everything came up. So,
0: um, lost my whole train of thought on that. You said you you were uh, getting your situations together with the podcast. You came in with some money. You guys have your Monday meetings. Your question was,
1: "How did we get to the podcast?" So, yes, transition from that from the videos to the podcast.
0: And my mind's going a mile a minute, man. I'm sorry, no, it's all good. It happens to me too because I really can't remember. Where we were either that makes you feel any better No it's all Like good. I'm into the conversation That's what I'm saying I'm like What, are, <laughs> what, am, what am I going to like? it, Where am I going here It happens here? You're getting a You know A, a nice little peek Into what it costs sometimes to follow your dreams and when you hear him talking about packing a cheese sandwich or, or packing a sandwich and some some you know Tylenol like it's not that glamorous sometimes but he has this drive and he had this passion he's following it and he's doing a lot of you know great things but sometimes life takes a turn and you have to honor that you know becoming a father becoming a husband these uh, these sacrifices take precedent this is what i love about this podcast because you hear these little stories coming up next on the second half of this interview we're going to get to know more about uh, juan's wife abby and the podcast that they have and their relationship with their daughter and they're expecting a- another child as well So this family now is growing and this family dynamic that they're learning together, Abby and Juan, um, continues to grow as well. We get into that conversation. Hope you're enjoying this episode 53. Let's get back into it. One of the things that I, that I appreciate uh, when when people are, are breaking down shit like this, it's like uh, there needs to be like a plan. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like when you talked about, you got the laptops, you have your Monday mini me- a Monday meeting. Uh, you joke around and say, "Well, I'll, I'll tell you at the meeting," but I'm I'm assuming, especially as parents, mm-hmm. a- and f- feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But my wife and I. Have a very difficult time talking when our children want to talk over us. And so it's, it gets to the point where it's like you're dealing with the everyday, and you, I, I'll email you. It's a joke that my wife and I right, say. Right. Right. Now. I'll email you because we just don't have the time to really talk. So the fact that you and Abby give yourselves, we're going to talk on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's for the podcast, but I'm sure it also is, it's a it benefits your marriage as well as it gives you both time to talk. Yeah. Like that
1: is actually like a key thing. So like whatever stresses we have or like, we're very aware of our emotions and like why we feel them or what caused it. Or we're like, Hey, this happened. Like, of course we're in the holiday season. So we're preparing ourselves to, be around family members or we just recently had a baby shower so we're like we sit down at the meeting and we're like all right what do we need for the baby shower what's left what do we have to tackle here so like we actually get some things accomplished but also we just have regular open conversations like this and yeah. that's what the point of the podcast was there it's you just, go we came back to see it. yeah so it was all <laughs> just a point of like we would have these open now the monday meetings didn't start until realistically about like a month or two ago Okay. So when we first started the podcast, we would just sit down every day, kind of brainstorm some notes and like they they were somewhat scripted at first because you know we were trying to figure it out. Wanted to make sure we hit certain points and we were recording almost every single day. And then we would like say, Oh, that felt good, or I feel like we talked more about a certain thing that, you know, we didn't get to touch on Or I've never heard you say that before. So like the podcast actually helped our marriage significantly because awesome. we're able to open up. And, you know, since it's not like your typical social media, we don't see who likes it, who shares it, all that. It's just my wife and I talking on a microphone, recording it. And yeah. once we send it out, it is what it is. it is, what it is. Yeah. So like be being able to candidly talk with her, not only as my wife, but like as my best friend, like we confide in each other about everything. And she also had stated, um, in one of our recent episodes that she has been going to therapy and like, even the therapist is like surprised with how emotionally aware she is and like how things affect her and whatnot. And she credits that to the conversations we're able to have with each other, not only at our Monday meetings, but we would just have those on a regular night. So like my wife and I can get lost just sitting on our couch until 1130 at night, just that's so cool though shit. dude i know i love having like, that
0: with your wife like that losing yourself in a conversation with your wife like that people some people don't have that yeah so the fact that you say that like i know exactly what and, mm-hmm. and we even bring that up like we laugh mm-hmm. like hard at something stupid that made us laugh and we'll laugh for like 10 minutes and it's like wow we're genuinely enjoying each other's time yeah, you're and just here it's just yeah,
1: us like yeah it's a beautiful thing, and I'm I'm very grateful for it. Like, And she was actually the one who pushed the podcast more. She's, oh, really? Yeah,
0: she's like, go for
1: it. Do it. I'll do it with you.
0: I kind of want to do it. Okay, so that's cool because when you brought up your Saturday morning thing and then it transitioned into the podcast, I was assuming that you were the one that was pushing the podcast, but it was your wife. Yeah, she was
1: the one who was
0: like, you need to do this. Cool. But we're going to do
1: it together because – x y and z i don't remember her exact reason yeah yeah but, but still don't matter I mean, here we are yeah. now and like it's i wouldn't i don't think i could have done it by myself like there was no i don't think i would have been able to successfully do it because of course i have a one-track mind and like my way of thinking and the perspective she brings in like we both mesh very well together and like we work very well together so i was, she we of course wear multiple hats but That also is what makes it better because she's not only my wife, but she's my best friend. She's, I mean, I could call her a co-worker on this podcast. She's the co-host, whatever word you want to use. So, like, we're multiple things for each other, and that's what helps. Yeah, I don't know
0: how else to explain it. If you know, you know. Like, it's one of those things. Yeah, you you kind of... Uh, you're learning more about her or mm-hmm. you're, you're you're both learning more about each other mm-hmm. through the podcast. And so it's like it's like you said, mentioned it's therapeutic uh, and it helps the marriage. But it it brought you closer. And the reason why I, the reason why I wanted to highlight that is because it, it really is rare, as awesome as it is. And I and I and I love sharing that it doesn't happen often. So when you see it, it's like I love I love sharing and highlighting that um especially in social media there's a lot of highlighting of negative things of relationships but mm-hmm. the, i mean and, and no relationship is perfect but right. what is perfect in my opinion is you both are willing to consistently meet each other mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah uh, my wife says it all the time and i agree like marriage is a choice absolutely like you, you choose yeah. and so it's like that i'm going to i fight and i choose every single day is she is this the podcast is that her wheelhouse somewhat as well i feel like that was something that was somewhat in your wheelhouse is that when you said she pushed it i mean was she always wanting to do something like that was that something she grew up wanting well, to do no entertainment so, you know that whole wheelhouse? ironically
1: that's how we met so we're we were both dancers on the same team uh, okay. same studio, got so. you I don't, I don't want to necessarily say love at first sight. Cause <laughs> she'll think it's all corny and say it was all me. But you felt but it at first sight, yeah. I, I'm going to keep my lips shut. <laughs> I plead the fifth. She'll, she'll hear this later and press me. But um, we danced together for the first couple of years, and we were very good friends first. Like, And I actually friends owned her before... I gave her a so I was the one. That okay, friendzoned you friend zoned her. her. I friend zoned her. Why was that? Why'd you do that for? Uh, I was dumb. Okay, looking back at it now, I just made some dumb choices. You were just trying to be what, like slick with it? Or no, what? I would. I went after someone else for a Gotcha. Okay, I, I okay. was okay. with so someone you else. For I gotcha. One <laughs> month. One month. And I was having all these relationship problems, and Abby. Like I talked it out with her as my friend. And I remember her just freaking out on me one day. And the only sentence I remember from the paragraph she sent me was like, you need to find your needle in the haystack. And I'm like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Wow. Boom. And then the rest is history. But other than her dancing for a couple years, um, like I said, she's very introverted. So she actually had a difficult time being able to be like, I don't know how open I want to be on the podcast or how open we can be sure. And like, if you would listen to the first couple episodes of our podcast, like we both censor ourselves a lot. So like there was no swearing, but also we don't name drop. We didn't even name drop our daughter because we, we felt like we had to have this certain level of privacy. Sure. And yeah. We absolutely. also were like, we don't want, you know, of course cancel culture is a big thing. So we're like, Oh, we got to be careful what we say. Cause we don't want it to come up like 20 years later. Like yeah. that was the type of stuff we we're, that was running through our mind as we got into it. But now that she's been able to finish, like, her schooling and whatnot, she's been looking for something as, like, more of an outlet since she doesn't dance anymore. So since we both danced together, we both had that mutual outlet. But then she stopped dancing before I did. And then I made it my career. So she kind of got to, like, live through it with me. I gotcha. So, like, I would take her places with me. We would travel. She'd assist me. So she still kind of is in it and like, she dances at home and she, uh, she's my biggest critic. Like I show her everything that I create and I'm like, what would I, what else could I do here? What would you do? But she wanted to do the podcast because it was like let's just see what we can do. Like there wasn't anything we were aiming for as far as like, Oh, let's try and make this, make some money off of this. Let's do a business. And that was actually partially how I started it. Cause I had a quote unquote business. I tried doing life coaching in between okay. my videos and the podcast. So I, okay. I tried starting a life coaching business. I had an LLC and everything. Oh really? And like, yeah. I sold some merch kind of based on, off of my motivational videos and that's where the whole like peace love thing kind of became like our staple as far as like our logo and whatnot. But she wanted to just try it. Like yeah. she was like, what are, what are, What
0: other reason do we have to do it other than just to see what happens? Yeah. Well, I think that's cool though. Yeah. Uh, and, and from what you're telling me, it sounded like it was a, another opportunity. Like you said, for you guys to have that—that that, a bond mm-hmm. outside of uh, the marriage and parenthood, mm-hmm. because both of those are work. Because a, 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 thank you, yeah. and it's also healthy to just be like, look, can we take these hats off right now mm-hmm. and and let's just be us and a lot of people are hard. yeah right it, it. it's hard for people to do that too mm-hmm. cuz they feel guilty they feel selfish yeah and one of the things that i'm learning with my wife and and i would, yeah she's learning also from me it's fit, it's 100 100 yes sir i um, was just going to stop you yeah you yeah yeah it's not 50 50 it's 100 100 but there's times where we'll be out and it's like i don't want to be an asshole but i don't want to talk about the kids mm-hmm. i just want to let's just talk about us or things we like are some us mm-hmm. um because I feel like that's that's one way to maintain uh the freshness in your relationship and so when I see what you guys are doing and when when you explain that story of, of, of why she wanted to push the podcast that's what I was sensing from that and I, and I can appreciate that yeah um and it really does show I, I did go back and I I I started the podcast over, mm-hmm. so I went to the very beginning. But I, in the very when I first started listening, I was listening to the newest episodes, mm-hmm. and I was kind of trailing backwards. But I can sense that I, it's it, it it never comes off like you guys are trying to be anything but yourselves, which yeah. I appreciate. But there's also a lot of like you you're discussing things that I feel like parents need to hear mm-hmm. other parents talk about. Yeah, Um, Like you, you discussed your daughters having to deal with the temper tantrums and the emotional outbursts. Um I'm a father of three girls. Mm-hmm. I understand. I was going to say, I got one. So it, it, I brother. Feel you brother. Three times <laughs> over, man. I know exactly I, it, what you're and, going through. And I tell you, it never, it's always different, but it's still the same. And I'm learning there's an emotional trigger. There's a reason there's the, and you have to like humble yourself as a parent, but hearing you and Abby talk about that, like as, as parents, mm-hmm. like bouncing shit off each other. Is that something that you were prepared to do when you started the podcast or did that? Is that one of those things that evolved? Cause I'm, you said you censored yourself and you were, you know, you, you protected your, the, your daughter's name in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah,
1: it wasn't, necessarily something that we like set in stone like yes we're gonna talk about this but we kind of just took the problems we were most recently going through and like if we didn't work through it off of the podcast whenever we would talk we just kind of work through it figure out these breakthroughs and like rather than just it I don't know if you've ever heard the saying or seen a post whether it's like typed up or whatever they say um it's not me versus you it's us versus the problem so we we try and live by that so it's not like once we kind of start going at each other it's like all right what's what's the real issue here like what do we need to get down to and like how do we figure that out so i'd say we've been at least solidly doing that for a, a year i want to say on the low end but To be able to do that, we're like, hmm, maybe some people need help getting through the surface level bullshit of like thinking it's him versus her or whatever the case may be. And especially when it comes to parenting, it definitely has to be both of us versus the problem. Sure. And we both have different standpoints because, of course, we grow up different ways and we're like, oh, like we said earlier, we want our children to experience X, Y and Z kind of how we did. But we're like, nah, that doesn't work anymore and then of course we're like but why or why do you feel this way about it can you explain cuz we don't just let each other we let each other feel our emotions and we sit in them but we're like all right now why can you explain why you feel that way yeah do you understand yourself why you feel that way cuz in doing that we not only learn about each other but we learn about ourselves cuz having my wife sit across from me and ask me like you know deep important questions off of the podcast, I'm like, Hmm, I never thought about it like that. Like it, it questions my own, uh, I don't want to say integrity, but like, it makes me question if I really am like justified in what I feel or if I understand why I feel that way. I got you. So when it came to the parenting stuff, we're like, we're young parents and you know, we're not alone. Like we, everyone feels like their situation's unique, but we're all going through something similar, just in different ways. So I have um, one of my best friends who's also a young parent of two, but both of them are under two for him. Okay, So wow. like, that's a big struggle for them. That's something I don't understand, but we both understand what it's like to have young kids sure. being young kids ourselves. So we're like, we just want to offer up something else that someone else may not have heard or needs to
0: hear, like you said yeah but the fact that you guys are doing that now with one child and one on the way Mm -hmm. that's like kudos to you and Abby because I'm in my mid 40s and I'm learning it now it's okay (laughs) When I'm listening to your podcast, there's a lot of things that I'm I'm taking from it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I appreciated, and and I'm paraphrasing because I'm trying to think on the fly right now, but I remember thinking to myself, you know, when we talk about wanting to do and raise a certain way, wanting to do for our children and raise them a certain way, and then I'm learning there's a lot of things I thought I needed to do because it's the way I saw it done. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, it works and then sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, then you have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I'm listening to your podcast, there's times where you and Abby are discussing just that. And when I say paraphrase because I can't remember how it was brought up, but I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the reason why I'm harping on that is because there isn't enough conversation of that Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, this type of method isn't working. Mm And your parents might say, this is how I did it. Mm -hmm. And you might remember it working for yourself or your siblings, but it's not working. Yeah. They'll say it worked for you. So Mm -hmm. just try this. Right. And being able to be like, no, we got to reinvent the wheel here. And what I mean by that is like, we got to look at our options Mm -hmm. and honor our child. You don't Mm want to just, because you can do a lot of bad things to your kid without even realizing it. Yeah. And, and, and so I appreciate that from your podcast. Is that something that aside from the podcast, Mm -hmm. just as a father and as a, as a parent along with your wife, is that something that you've learned yourself? We most definitely were like, as we
1: found out we were becoming parents. um, And once we got into it, we were like, there's a lot of the generational curses we have to break. So there's not, I'm not saying either of our parents did bad. As we get older, we see how hard it was for them and we see how certain mistakes could be made. So rather than repeat, like there's a lot of stuff that I see myself do that um, my dad would have done or certain ways he reacted to certain things. And then I look at my daughter and I'm like, I remember that from your perspective though. Right. So I know what you feel like right now. I don't want to continue that. Right. So Abby and I, or I'll do something that I think is totally fine. And Abby is like, hey, bud, she said this or remembered that, or she's getting to the age where she's remembering everything now. So like, be careful with what you say or how you say things or how you react to certain things. Don't get so mad so quick. And like, we... I think you're you were referring to the gentle parenting. That was the one episode. Yes. The gentle parenting yes. doesn't work because it feels like you're abusing them if you're not being a gentle parent, but then you feel like a pushover if you're being <laughs> too gentle. Right. That was basically yeah. what we came to the conclusion of. So gentle parenting wasn't a thing, at
0: least from my knowledge, when I was a kid. No. So in our house- households that was Yeah no (laughs) exactly exactly
1: so we're like all right how do we take it so we're not complete pushovers and like you know we see people make fun of gentle parenting on social media and we're like wait do I really sound like that is that how I do it like no that's not the way it is this is how we do it so it's like all right if we're gonna practice what we preach let's kind of explain a little bit more and that's again another way we took it into the podcast of like telling people like, Hey, gentle parenting might be trending right now, but it might not work for you. Here's how it doesn't work for us.
0: And then that's when we explained it in that episode. Right. And, and, and and thank you, thank you for reminding me because that's exactly the episode that I was listening to. And I remember thinking to myself, I, there's times where my wife and I are trying to talk to our, our four year old and I'll listen to my wife, talk to her, in the gentle parent mode. Mm-hmm. And I'll look at her and she probably does the same thing to me where I'm like, "Yo, are we are you really going to talk to her like that? That's the shit we see mm-hmm. other people, but we're also trying to understand like the way that we grew up is different." Yes. It, it it's different, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so, when I say reinvent the wheel, that's where I'm kind of like i can't fly off the handle like my mom or my dad would Mm -hmm. um and and there are times with all of my children that i've done that so i i i appreciate that because a lot of parents don't have that somebody else saying that shit like it's like the elephant in the room but nobody wants to address that Mm -hmm. like it it doesn't work all the time yeah and there are a lot of people that will judge you Mm -hmm. based on how you how you raise your child so I think there's a lot of people that are dealing with the stigma of, I don't want to address my child the way I want to, because I'm afraid it's going to be looked at a certain way. Right. And that can go both ways. That can go the old school way or the gentle parenting way, because there's times where I'm like trying to gentle parent my child. And I'm, I know my friends are like, yo, are you really, we didn't grow up that way. Yeah, There's different dynamics that take place. But when you find what works for you and your family, As long as you're consistent, then you lock in, then it's all good. And I Mm -hmm. feel like if you're taking a little bit of everything and and applying it, but you can't just hang your hat on one way of of raising your child.
1: And of course it's all trial and error because like the child is their own personality, but they're part of your personality. Like they are learning directly from what they see you do and you know, they say the road to hell is always paved with good intentions. Like, Uh like yeah, like you, you can do a lot of damage trying to do a lot of good. Mm. And like, wow, yeah,
0: that really the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to do the good thing, but you're literally making things worse. Is that, is that, yeah, Yeah,
1: that's essentially what I picked up from that scene. So like yeah, cool. We may have been spanked when we were growing up, but what did that teach us? Right. Like when, when I look at my daughter, I'm like hitting you right now is not going to teach you anything. You, you can't understand the nuances of what you just did by throwing my phone across the room. Cause I said no. Yeah. But like, if I hit you for that, you're just going to be scared of me. Yeah. I don't want you to be scared of me over something dumb. Like you don't understand that this is, a phone that costs x y and z or i need this for work or but i'll be like hey bud we don't we don't throw like why would you do that actually before i even came here i had a little spat with my daughter on the way out the door oh yeah we're trying to eat dinner and like she's throwing a temper tantrum because i'm like no turn on we're turning off the tv come sit down and eat like uh, we always make sure that we all sit down together eat together and like tune everything out as far as like a screen goes. So that way we all have each other's focus and sure. can talk. So then she's like sitting there, she pushed her plate away. She starts like slamming her fork on, on the table and I yanked the fork away. And I'm like, we're done. As soon as my, me and mom are done eating, you're going to bed. Yeah. Starts bawling, And I'm like, mm, not granted. I had an emotionally taxing day between work and like sure. everything else. So I do my best to make sure I don't, bring any of that home i leave it at the door because, absolutely yeah you know i've seen it growing up when you don't get to transition from your work day like i i take off my work hat put on my dad hat sometimes it's not a easy transition it's i just not throw easy. my dad hat on top of the work hat right so be at and abby was a big help in like pushing me through that um because she's like hey like we all kind of feel like we're walking on eggshells sometimes. Mm. And I'm like, I don't like that. Like that doesn't make me That's feel a good horrible feeling because dude. I'm sitting there thinking I'm doing absolutely nothing or trying to be silent or not give off a certain body language. So I don't, make you guys feel a certain way but also i have all this stuff that happened to me today because like i work in maintenance so like okay. sometimes i'll be elbow deep in someone else's toilet yeah. and i'm like yeah this was a rough day like i'm covered <laughs> in some stuff <laughs> yeah. and you just like punched me for no reason so yeah. like of course i gotta figure out how to discern that and not take it out on you because that's not
0: your fault sure like you don't deserve that from me as your dad i think the cool thing is like older generations experienced the same thing, but handled it differently Mm -hmm. because it was taboo to have the conversation we're having right now. Right. So especially men in our families, um, I don't know about how how yours was. I grew up where a lot of men in my family, older generations drank a lot. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of alcoholics. And I look at that now and go like, man, I wonder if that not being able to discuss and dealing with these things and not knowing how to handle it because they weren't given the tools as far as like conversations and education. It, what what we're doing right now is like beyond my generations. Mm-hmm. You, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Absolutely. Like I tell that to my wife and my and I get that affirmation from my mom and the the my aunts and uncles when they see us doing what we're doing it's like it's like yo that's that's what we need to be mm-hmm. and so um i appreciate that i appreciate this conversation the candid conversation um that's what this podcast is all about um because is listening to this and going like oh okay yeah it's not just me it's not just us um sometimes i lose my cool but i don't mean it how can i re you just have to keep you have to keep trying, and you have to just love mm-hmm. your children. That's mm-hmm. all what what it comes down to. Um, uh, the goals that you had set for yourself, and and having to put that on hold, is that something like when I when I wrap up my interviews, I always like to talk about what's what are you looking forward to? What what's the game plan? What are you are you trying to get back into dancing in the future? Or are you just taking one day at a time? Um. Dance definitely
1: isn't off the table. Um, I have, I've had a strange relationship with it because I made it a job and then it became more of a responsibility. So like it changed my dynamic with it because I was like, I love this. This is what I want to do. But when I got it, I was like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. And it became like I started to resent dance a little bit. I didn't want to go teach or I'm like, oh, I gotta drive four hours today like I don't want to because I'm only getting paid this much or so like i I'm trying to re not necessarily refine a love for dance, but I'm trying to repurpose okay it fair because enough because like it's still there, and I still practice, but why like if i am putting it on hold for now why am i still doing it mm. why do i still love it what do i want to do with it is this just my art form that i want to create and express with is this the way that i connect with people it's very easy like being able being a dancer like anywhere i go i can be the life of a party and you know bring up people's mood i can get people to dance with me but i also enjoy just dancing for myself now like as much as I love teaching there was a lot of my stuff that I created that people couldn't do because I would make it just too difficult sometimes and it sometimes it'd be on purpose because it would be a test to myself Mm. and I'm like oh they'll have fun with this they'll love this but they can't get past the first eight count because it's that hard yeah and I'm like well if I'm not teaching anybody I can just do it for me and Mm. so like I'm trying to find a balance of do I keep teaching and if so will it be for a career again or do I keep just freestyling enter a couple battles here and there or just kind of dance with my friends just to have fun yeah and I mean granted it's all for fun at the end of the day and I do still love it because my daughter sees me dance and she'll hear me play music and she'll be like oh dad let's dance and I'm like that's it Cool. Let's see. Like, I don't want to force her to be a dancer. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're my little protege. You have to do this. Like, if she wants to, cool. If not, cool. Same with my son who's on the way. If he wants to dance, cool. If not, cool. This is for me. And if you guys can join along with me, then maybe that's another love that I can find through it because I do it with you guys. Yeah. And then wherever you take it, because, of course, I want to make you better than I was with the tools that I got, take it farther and maybe I'm supposed to love it that way. I yeah. don't look at it for validation anymore because I think that's why I did it to begin with. Gotcha. Like yeah, being on stage, being like, watch me, look at yeah, me. Yeah. That one, that
0: fame you mentioned. Yeah.
1: Like how I wanted to be famous. So now I'm like, how do I continue to do this for me, but not make it like, look at me, look at me. Yeah. So that's yeah. at least as far as dance goes, but yeah, with growing the family, I'm taking it one day at a time because, like, yeah. have a three year old, got a brand new baby on the way, yeah, so yeah. starting over with the diapers again—that's what's that killing thing. me. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I always, like I said, I, I'm a student of everything, so I'm always in search of knowledge. I'm, I'm starting to see what else I'm interested in as I'm getting older. So, like, I'm reading a lot more, and like, I'm seeing how I can make my podcast better. I, yeah. I just want to be better at being me gotcha. whatever that means i don't know what it means but that's the fun part about it because i get to keep trying new things discovering things and learning about myself on the way so as long as i can make it to the best me wherever that's at i'm just gonna take it one step at a time
0: yeah do you think the the time that you had that perspective do you think the time that you took away from dancing helped you see that perspective? yeah
1: absolutely Because when I first um, left dance to switch careers, I didn't dance for about two months straight. Like didn't even, like I wouldn't even listen to music. Oh, wow. And I listen to music just because I like dissecting sound and hearing how it's layered and all that. Like, But for a point in time, I was like, nah, I got to see what I want to do with this. Like I'm taking a little hiatus from this. And even now, like I don't really record myself dancing to post for videos anymore for instagram facebook youtube like i i put my stuff out everywhere trying to get noticed so i could you know see if i could slip in an easy way to fame whether it be someone recognizing me on youtube by going the ellen show sure yeah whatever every other dancer that we see blow up does but yeah man i just want to I just want to do it for the artistic side of it now, yeah, and like truly explore what it means to treat dance as an art form rather than just dance. I don't, right. I don't know how to explain that
0: much deeper. No, I, I, I think, I think one when I'm listening to you talk, especially when you discussed earlier for that brief moment that you were the, the life coach pursuit, mm-hmm. I really feel like there's something there with the podcast, with the dancing, the way you're looking at life, the way you evaluate things that I feel like I see something there. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I, I wish you a lot of luck and I, and I don't really think you need it. I think it's there. I think it's just a matter of time, man. I am um, just, I, I literally just met you when you got here, but I just, I genuinely appreciated this conversation. I genuinely appreciate the podcast you have with your wife, Abby. And, the way that you approach life and the way you approach conversations, it's, it's important that you know that. And so like, I'm grateful. And I, I see, I genuinely see something happening there, man. I, I, I don't, I can't hang my hat on what it is exactly. I just know I see it. And if I see it and I'm just meeting you then the people that know you and the family that loves you, I believe that they see it as well, brother. So I, that means a lot, man. Thank um, you. No, like, hey, I hey, really appreciate that. Right, man, I, 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 you know, that, i appreciate this conversation and the podcast is about that it's it's meeting new people but it's like can we bridge the gap between each other so that we can get to know each other a little bit more and then we start realizing like there's a lot more in common than we have so absolutely i appreciate it thank you very much thank I know you for having getting me, late. i know uh, we'll get you back to your family brother it's all good all right i'd man. love to be back if you want to bring yeah. me back hey I might just have you back. I'm, I, I would actually like to have your wife on as well. By all means. Um, so we'll keep in touch, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll bring you over to the Peace Center. I, totally. I would love that. Sounds good, all man. Right, thank bro. you so much. Hey, Merry Christmas to all of you. Well, Mr. Juan Rivera, thank you so much for stopping by, sharing your journey, sharing your story. Uh, the Peace, Love, and Applesauce podcast that Juan has with his wife, Abby. I suggest you look it up and listen to it, especially if you got some youngins. And it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. You know, you want to pull your hair out. The topics that they discuss is a breath of fresh air for those of us that are dealing with that, because they're dealing with it too. Follow Juan, because he's popping a lock and locking. He's got moves check him out i'm gonna put his information in the description of this episode if you want to get a hold of him uh i don't know to talk about dancing talk about whatever that's the dude mr relentless mr inspirational thank you sir it was a pleasure and an honor once again merry christmas happy holidays i am taking a break this podcast will return at the end of january so until then please do yourself a favor love yourself And remember to maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo. And these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe. Merry klima.